Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. We are back again. We've got the great privilege of being back again with our good friend Heidi Hensley, who's out in California. Heidi, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. One Thanks of the for having me. I'm so, we're so glad to have you. We, I love when we get to talk because it's always it's always um, encouraging. You always have really well informed things to say, and it's always really fun. And so, like those <laughs> three things make make the podcast fun for me. And the most important thing is that it's fun for me. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I feel like if if I'm having a good time, the listeners probably are too. And honestly, you always bring such great things. So, but I do have to ask. So, you know, sometimes. We like to start off by, by the podcast by by learning a little bit about little you. And so <laughs> yes. since we talk about kids, I, I'm a little curious, Heidi. You said that you, I've heard you say before that your mom was, was she a kindergarten teacher? Yes, my mom was a kindergarten teacher uh, most of my childhood. So then, so you grew up in a house where there was probably a lot of kid stuff going on all the time. I can imagine crafts and fun things and snacks and treats and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yes. So we, we grew up in a house where my mom, uh, she was a kindergarten teacher and a church pianist. So those two things combined made um, a whole lot of fun. We woke up literally to the piano playing against the wall of our bedrooms every morning. And sometimes it was a song we loved. Sometimes it was a song we despised. It just depended on what time of the morning it was. <laughs> so you clearly you're a person who you um, like you caught a little bit of that fun, that that fun spirit can be contagious when we grow yes. up in it. And you caught a love for kids, too. But here's here's what I want to know about you. So I, I can I can just imagine you as a as a child being a fun kid. Right. Who like did you yeah. laugh and giggle and things like that a lot? Oh, yes. Were you a yes. giggler? Okay. So was there ever a moment when you got in trouble for laughing because you were laughing at the wrong thing or at the wrong time? Tell us a story about that. Do you have a good story? I do have a good story. It's actually one that my mom loves to tell. Um, we... <laughs> And it's so bad. So I grew up in a denomination. <laughs> I grew up, I grew up in the Free Will Baptist denomination. And uh, we would go to these state meetings every single year. They would go through like the budgets and everything that, you know, all the things that the denomination did. And <laughs> we were sitting in this denomination meeting. And there's a portion of this meeting where you would go through all the people who had passed away. So they would list all oh, the no. names and it was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very somber moment. You were being respectful and I was taught very well. You know, you don't run in the sanctuary. There's, there's certain things that you just respect because of what they are. Sure. That was kind of like this portion of time. This moment. Yes. I do not remember the name, but there was a name that was said in my uncle who, so you have my mom, the kindergarten teacher, you have my aunt who is a very serious um, like business accountant. Uh, and then you have my uncle who again was a youth pastor and an equal silly heart as my mom. And then me on the other side. Well, my mom had this way about her when she would begin to laugh or giggle that she would bounce. And okay, if you wanted I to make me laugh, yes, <laughs> if you wanted to make me laugh, especially if she was trying to laugh quietly or no sound, trying um, to hold it in. Yeah, I couldn't handle it. I would just lose it if I saw her doing that. It was just hilarious. And they said a name and the name I don't even remember hearing, but it sounded like something else. And my <laughs> uncle leaned forward and said, did he say, and whatever the word was, 
And my mom started her bounce and she's in this (laughs) pew and she's bouncing and she's almost to tears because she's laughing so hard because my uncle, who is now also doing the bounce, my aunt is in between them glaring at both of them like they're children. And I look over and I see this whole situation unfolding. And if you've been around me, you know that I don't... um, I don't quietly laugh and I wasn't that way as a child either. And so I just burst into laughter. And of course, they're all looking at me like I'm insane. And my mom was humiliated. But um, long goes the story. She started it. So (laughs) and how old would you have been at that time? I was like 10. (laughs) There is something there is something irresistible. Like when you have that moment, like in church is the worst, right? When something strikes you as funny and you know, you shouldn't laugh at the funeral, at the wedding, at the, when you're in church and you just can't hold it in. And that, that urge to laugh can be so strong. My wife has a fantastic laugh. You know, some people just have really great laughs. And so there may have been times when we were in church settings, when we should have been serious, when I might have been trying to get her to laugh. And there's nothing harder than holding that in when you uh, have the urge to laugh. Oh, That's it's awesome. Funny. So I would imagine, though, that you didn't get in trouble for that because your mom and your uncle were uh, were conspirators in the in the moment. <laughs> yes. In fact, my mom had to my mom was laughing so hard that at one point she was because this this list would go on. And this is a year of like 60 churches of people who have passed away. So, I mean, the list was long and she eventually had to grab my arm and take me out. Well, she, she basically pretended like she was crying. It's like she was emotionally moved by the, (laughs) by the situation. And so excused us. And I remember after that meeting, people coming up going, Oh, that person must have been for your church, from your church. I'm so sorry. And my mom's just sitting there like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be judged for this someday. (laughs) Hilarious. Hilarious. Good times. Well, I think this is a new thing and I I saw this in a meme, so it must be true that. So a new thing that I've learned is, and this is just, I mean, weird science, evidently. Did you know that evidently when you cry out of joy, your first tear comes out of your right eye. But if you cry out of sorrow, your first tear comes out of your left eye. I think I got that right. Maybe it's the other way around. Watch for the meme. If I find it, I'll tag you. Okay, definitely. See, what they should have done is a little tear test on your mom to be like, okay, I'm sorry. Are these are these joy tears or are these sorrow tears? Because apparently there's like, a, there's like a test for that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, okay, well, getting in trouble for laughing is is one of those moments that hopefully we could all relate to in a really positive way. It's kind of a, a simple, like silly thing to get in trouble for. But the truth is, here's my segue, ready? The truth is sometimes <laughs> in our kids' ministries, We have kids who are just disruptive or difficult. It's not typically laughing. It might be poking at somebody. It might be speaking in a way that's contrary, disrespectfulness, causing distractions. And the reality is we have to be ready as leaders to address those things. And there are some ways we can address those things that are really good and that that are uh, that are helpful and positive and that and that have the right outcome. And there's other ways that just don't work or that maybe make things worse. And so, yeah. Heidi, we wanted to talk with you today about this idea of rethinking discipline. That word mm-hmm. discipline kind of sounds hard because it sort of feels like what you do when you're a parent and your kid, like you're getting grounded. But but maintaining control 
the mm-hmm. classroom, maintaining a safe environment for, for all the kids, making sure everyone can hear because no one is taking over and keeping control like that is not something that, that everyone just automatically is good at. So you have some tips and some insights and some ideas that can help us do a better job. And so give us a situation, Heidi. How, when we have that kid who's being difficult, what's, what kind of the natural reaction that a lot of people have, which may not be the best one? Yeah, I think, I think the natural reaction is usually that, um, a, that child is being disrespectful. Um, it might be talking during the story. It might be, um, physically moving during the story or whatever, causing any form of distraction. I think, I think if, especially if you were raised in church, um, for, as an adult, if you were raised in church, you had good parents that, you know, made you, I don't want to say fall in line. You know, the phrases we use in this session can no, be taken so far. coached you, right? They yeah, they you, coached you to be respectful and to sit quietly, follow the rules, those kinds of things. If that was our childhood and you see a child not doing those things, or if you are a child and you're witnessing another child do those things, our brain typically goes to, well, that child's choosing to be disrespectful. <clears throat> and one of the things that we have really been working at in our ministry is to understand the why behind what's happening. Um, there was, there was a man, it was before it was, uh, etch. So before, mm-hmm. before etch was etch that you guys did a kids conference and somebody in one of your conferences made the statement, you know, we're not about behavior management. We're about life transformation or heart transformation. Mm-hmm. And I probably got that totally wrong, but that, that concept has stayed with me. And the reality is we are finding more and more, especially in this day and time, your average child has not been taught how to behave in children's ministry or in any any group effort. Yeah. Yeah. Combined with there are more situations going on in the home. We know that divorce rates are higher. We know that um, shared custody is a larger number. So all of these other factors are coming in and what you're seeing is you're seeing the effects of that. You're not seeing a child who is simply choosing to be disrespectful. Um, there are moments, don't get me wrong. There are moments that you are witnessing a child choosing to be disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> but on the off chance that that's not happening, um, you know, how do we respond to that? And I was taken back to <clears throat> a situation. We recently did a training and I was trying to think back to a, a situation where I had witnessed this and used some of these skills that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And one in particular was um, a child that was involved in our ministry. These two little boys who had been coming, house seemed to be um, very normal, you know, nuclear household. Mom brought them to church and dropped them off every single Sunday. Dad was waiting in the hallway. And each, each weekend, kids would be given a lollipop if like a d- little dumb, dumb sucker um, as they left the classroom. <clears throat> now, my heart behind doing that was not it was not a reward for good behavior. It was um, it was if you brought your Bible. Um, mm-hmm. It was just kind of one of those things. Some churches give points. We just thought it would be a good incentive to remind kids to bring their Bible. That had not been communicated appropriately in the classroom. And so when this child was picked up, he had forgotten his Bible and apparently had been a little bit overly rambunctious that Sunday. And the leader told mom, you know, he had a hard Sunday and the little boy simultaneously said they didn't give me a lollipop and he was just destroyed over it. And so we get down, you know, 
they get down to the base floor where I am and she is just coming at me. Um, top of the lungs screaming, all those those moments in a building of kids where you're like, this is not the place. Yes. And I quickly remembered some training I had had and I'm watching her and how she's reacting over this little tiny sucker that had somebody just looked at me and said, hey, he didn't get one and it hurt his feelings. I would have handed him one. Right. But I quickly realized the problem was not the problem at hand. It was mm-hmm. not the visible problem. The problem was... I simply looked at her and said, you know, can you help me understand why this is such a big issue? Because this could have been resolved really simply. And she said, you know, two nights ago, my husband decided to pack up. Um, He didn't tell me why he left, but he left and he's not coming back. And none of us know what to do next. Wow. And all of a sudden you have an open door to realize this was not about a sucker. Mm -hmm. This was about far more than that. And then the ministry moment opportunity, you know, arises. Um, it was, it was in that moment that you realize, you know, most kids psychologically do not know how to communicate any form of hurt or trauma. That's something that hopefully they haven't had a big reason to be taught to do, but many kids don't know how to communicate that. And so the way they communicate that is through their actions. It's by acting and out. so it's by acting out. Yeah. Yeah. So rethinking discipline um, discipline is necessary. Our Heavenly Father disciplines us. Structure is necessary. Um, we know that um, discipline is a word. It's a word that I, when I arrived at the church where I am now, they said, oh, we're not allowed to use that word. I said, well, that's terrible because that's a very biblical principle. Mm. And and so we've reinstated right, that so word. So I, I love that you said that. I lo- so yeah. let's pause there just for a quick moment because I think a lot of our leaders are in places where they may not be as confident in a situation like that, where yep. you as a leader may believe we need to have some discipline in our rooms. Yep. And of course, you're going to do that out of a heart of love, as yep. would most of our listeners. But a lot of times when someone comes and says, oh, we can't use that word here, they would just say, oh, okay. Right. And kind of cower back. (laughs) But you didn't in that moment. And you're better because you stood up for that. Is that right? Your ministry is. Yeah, it's it's definitely better. It also gave, you know, your leaders. uh, We've talked before about volunteers and your your volunteers need tools to be empowered and to own the room. And one of the things that you can give them is biblical, very strong tools to keep order in that room. Um, if the experience is ruled by a three-year-old who can't control himself for various reasons, nobody in that room is having a good time. The leaders are not having a good time. The other kids are not learning anything. And so they need the tools and the empowerment to be able to create a space that is a great experience for everybody there. Yeah. So I, I believe in discipline. <laughs> so, okay. So what, what are some of those tools then that, that are good uh, strategies for us. Like you pointed out that in the case of that particular child with the sucker mm-hmm. situation, there was a lot more going on but below the surface. And so uh, I guess at one level, we need to we need to learn how to look at what's happening in the moment, but also look beyond that into what may be happening that's a bigger, deeper issue. Yeah. So for us, when, when we arrived or when I arrived um, at the church where I am now, I looked at the discipline policy and or I think it was called the correction policy. Um, <laughs> I looked at the policy and it was. Because we don't use the word discipline, right? We don't use the word we discipline. We use the word correction. Okay. <laughs> Whole lot nicer. Well, that, that fixes uh, it. There you go. <laughs> right. So so I looked at the policy and it was very, um, very sterile. It was if a child, can, basically, if a child cannot conduct themselves in a way 
that is respectful and in line with what's happening in the classroom, you call their parents and they're dismissed, period. It's like, oh man, we have some, we're missing like a whole gap of opportunity there. And so instead, what what we did is we developed a, you know, uh, below the surface, not in our handbook, we call it a, a three strikes policy, but that's really what it is. You know, the first, the first, you know, maybe they're, let's talk about a child, use one thing so we can follow along here. Um, we'll talk about a child who is, um, being disruptive during large group story. We'll use that child. Child comes in. Maybe you can kind of see it. You can usually see it the moment they're checked in and you're like, okay, that one's loaded for bear he's this morning. He's in a mood today, right? He's yeah. in a mood. <laughs> it's on fire. Here we go. And so he's checked in and you already know it's going to be a challenge. Um, when that child comes in and they are disruptive or, or even disrespectful during those times, it's understanding what is happening in the room. And we began to identify that these situations we could pinpoint early, but nobody knew where to speak to it. So the first thing that we do is we have a very early conversation. So if that child comes in and my eyebrows go up because I know that he's loaded for it this morning, we have people in that room that are trained to go, hey, how's it going, Tim? Can you explain to me? You know, I see, I see you got a lot of energy this morning. Let him give you a little bit of information and try to understand him and then let him go do his thing. Number two, if he continues, we simply redirect. We find that many of these kids are actually bored mm. and some of it may be fine under the surface. These are just kids that typically that youngest child that gets to do a whole lot more in other places with his older siblings, he might be bored. And so allowing him to um, be redirected is one of the ways that we we would handle that. And then the third one, if that child continues, we, if they hit, you know, obviously if it's physical, there's a line, a parent gets called. <clears throat> if it's not that kind of situation, at pickup, um, we notify the parents that behaviors were taking place. Now that sounds very easy on paper. Um, it doesn't really sound very deep on paper and it's not. So we chose to renovate that and put some heart behind it. Uh, we brought in a couple of leaders to train us on trauma-informed ministry. If you have never, if you're a leader listening to this and you've never heard that phrase, I would really encourage you to Google it mm. and make sure that you are learning about some of the things that our kids are facing in the world, um, the way they spend time on screens and different things. The, the psychological effects are just huge. And so understanding what a trauma-informed ministry is and then go a step further and bring somebody in to train your people is probably the first step you could do there. Um, but when we chose to, when we chose to renovate that discipline plan, we said, okay, is there a way that we could find out in step one, if there's something going on below the surface? And so we trained those people and we have one individual child, well, we have two that come in on a regular basis, just ready to roll. And it's, it's really early intentional conversations. Tell me about your day. One of these homes, perfectly, you know, stable home, just a kid with a whole bunch of energy. Mm. The other home is a child who's being raised by grandparents. There are seven kids being raised by grandparents. Grandparents can barely keep up. And what we mostly find is this child arrives to church and he's hungry. And like, when I say hungry, he's physically hungry. And we have learned things about him that if we can get to that early, we can sometimes correct his whole day. Sure. So going, going to the heart is, huh. is where we begin. 
I didn't know well, if you want to jump in there. <laughs> well, there's such a yeah, there's such a difference between trying to address the what in a situation and the why. And we can we can address the what's and those are kind of high level things. What is he doing? He's poking. Um, she's yep. uh, she's bouncing around. She's distracting other people. He's being disrespectful. Those are the what problems. Yep. But the why it takes extra effort, a different kind mm-hmm. of eyes. And I I really um, appreciate and want to want to affirm you and our listeners in in the doing the work to understand the why. Mm-hmm. Because we can't yeah. just guess at it. And it's not something that you just said, oh, here's what we're going to do. You know, we, I heard on the podcast that Heidi and Chuck were talking and they said, oh, we need to look for the why. So we'll do that. No, you said uh, trauma-informed ministry. Mm-hmm. Google that. Listeners, Google that. Look that up. Follow what Heidi's doing because she didn't just invent this. She <laughs> she learned about it. She researched it. And you brought in experts to help you. Yes. We, we actually brought in a child psychologist. We brought in a therapist. And he went through the science behind what's happening in a brain of a child when they experience trauma. And I think, you know, I was, I was an eighties kid. And so you think of the word trauma and (laughs) that's right. Whoa. Uh, You think of the word trauma and for us, at least trauma is, is abuse. Trauma is a major, major, big thing. Major. Well, in, in our day and time now, trauma that affects the brain of a child can be bullying via cyberspace, mm. bullying via a video game interface or or social media or being singled out. Um, there are so many different things. We know that, again, many families are experiencing divorce. Having, mm. having a parent vanish from your world, and that wasn't untypical in the 80s, but it was less typical. Um, Having, having a parent vanish from your world, that is very traumatic mm-hmm. and some of the things and behaviors that that will cause. And so understanding how a child's brain is working, understanding that when they are experiencing something that is hurt, pain, abandonment, any of those things, understanding that they're going to show you that by their actions. Now, as the church, when they act out, if, if an adult came to you and said, I am feeling wounded and I need your help you would probably stop and pray with them and put your arms around them and and try to take care. Mm. When a child acts out many times, that's what they're doing. They're trying to show you that something is wounded within them. Now, I say that carefully because that is not every child. Not always, right. That's not right. always, but there are times. Well, and so and having an open dialogue. We, we sometimes have kids who are repeat offenders, right? Who are the ones yes. who are always who are always difficult uh, yes. or who are repeatedly difficult in different ways. And it could be that in, in some of those cases, there may be a lot more going on than what we're just seeing on the surface. Totally. And many times it's easy to have a conversation. Tell me about your week. Mm. Um, ask kids open-ended questions. Um, so tell me about your week. Tell me about something that happened this week. And kids will naturally tell you the big thing. They will tell you the thing that's on their heart. And we've learned to listen in those moments. Now, that is not a job for your student volunteer. You need to find the people in your space who are capable of hearing those answers and understanding them. And of course, heaven forbid, but there are times that kids will come up with answers that have to be reported. So your mandated reporters need to be the ones asking those questions and report if necessary. 
hopefully that's not what you're running into. You're running into, you know, a, a child might be being bullied at school or something like that. Obviously that stuff needs to be discussed with the parents. Mm. And then parent conversation is the next step of that. So when a child is a repeat offender or a first time offender, <laughs> sounds <laughs> funny saying that, um, in our ministry, one of the things I train my leaders on is, um, is we never tell the parents that their child misbehaved. And when I say that in training, my leader's jaws just drop. They're like, wait what? a minute, what? <laughs> I'm like, no, we don't. We make the child do it for two reasons. Mm. One, I want that kid to come back. I never want the parent to feel like their child is so much of a challenge that I would rather them not be here. Because the truth is, I would rather struggle with that child for an hour than them not be present because they need yes. to be in that space. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Number two is that child needs to own what they did. And many times recently, especially, um, there's something about kids not being allowed to own their behaviors. Everything mm. always happens to us. Right. We that don't always choose our actions. Yeah. Victim mentality. And so, you know, you have, you have, I had to do it Sunday. I had a kid who was kicking the chair in front of him during Sunday school the whole hour. I moved him. I did everything. Solid family. I'm sure he was just bored, but he chose to do that action. So when mom picked up, I scooped him up and said, all right, let's tell mom about our Sunday today. And he kind of looked at her and, and he goes, he goes, I had a bad day. And I said, no, no, you didn't have a bad day. I said, you chose to do some things that caused your day to not go the way that we had hoped. And I said, what were the things that you chose to do? And he goes, he goes, well, I didn't listen. I said, no, no, <laughs> you know, I'm guiding this conversation. And finally we get to a statement that he made mm. where he owned it. And he said, he said, well, I kicked the chairs in front of me. And his mom said, did she move you? And he said, yes. And he, she said, and what did you do? He goes, well, I kicked that chair too. And all of a sudden you have a leader who mm. loves this child standing by and they're guiding a conversation but this isn't a conversation between me and the parent of your child is bad or your child had bad behavior. This is a conversation about a child owning his actions to his parent. And that's going to go so much farther. And you've given that kid a gift when you do it um, because sure. you've taught them how to own something. And, and so that's, 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 yeah. That's really countercultural. And that's really something yeah. that I'm sure a lot of parents are not getting from any other place. No. Right. No. And that and that's part of ministry is that it's a spiritual discipline, right? All those, yeah. those things, owning our behavior and confessing our sins and all those things and owning that <laughs> boy. That's so that's so good. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. So we we continue to lean into that a little bit. Um, and it's in those moments uh that oftentimes if there is something happening at home that's when the explanation comes because we've taken the time to have a meaningful conversation with parents. Uh, and, you know, well, grandpa died two weeks ago and we've noticed, he, you know, those those statements start to roll out or they're struggling because we just filed for a divorce and dad moved out. Um, they're struggling because brother left for college. And suddenly there's moments that as if you are a children's leader, a children's pastor, uh, you have moments that you witness those conversations and your wheels begin to turn and it's okay. I understand a little bit more of what's going on in this child's heart. And for me, at least as a leader, it usually results in a conversation with a child, you know, straight look into the eyes of how can I help you be successful in this space? And I've had kids look at me and go, sometimes I just need to run the stairs. We have a kid that has to run the stairs. He physically cannot restrain himself mm. and okay. 
All you have to do is tell your teacher, I need to do a stair run. And we're going to make that happen if that's going to be what makes you successful in this room. Mm. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about. At the end of the day, it's about them learning how to be successful in a classroom where they can learn more in their faith journey and grow closer to God and grow closer in community. And so if we're dismissing them at every misbehavior, we're, we're never going to impact that child. Yeah. 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 Well, so much of our ministry is not about what not about the content, although I don't want to be, I don't want to be misheard. What we teach matters. <laughs> what we teach yep. matters. We have to be biblically sound and doctrinally solid. Kids can understand good, solid biblical teaching and they need to hear the mm-hmm. truth. They also yep. need to receive that in a context of love where we are looking beyond the behavior. We're not rejecting them for how they act. That's how we all are in our sin nature, right? And so grace and mercy and understanding go a long way in reaching a child's heart. And kids ministry isn't only about kids. You mentioned how many times a misbehaving child leads to a conversation with a parent that turns into a ministry opportunity to speak to the parent's heart. So- Wow. Yeah. Heidi, thank yeah. you. Thank you for sharing. We so appreciate your friendship and your wisdom. Thank you. I love being here with you guys. Well, let's do it again. And let's do it more often. It's it's always really great when we have you on. And uh, listeners, I hope that you have enjoyed this as well. And we, we want to inform you, instruct you, encourage you, and inspire you as you serve the kids and families in your church. So guests like Heidi uh, are the experts out there who are doing this as you are there. <laughs> she's in the trenches with you. And we are just so blessed uh, when she shares. So Heidi, thank you again. Listeners, thank you. Come back again soon for another episode of the Kids Minute. History 101 podcast.